genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one reassuring smile at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 54, which starts with Mordor still looming in the distance and ends with Gandalf saying to Pippin, there never was much hope, just a fool's hope. Yes. There's a little pause and he gives, he gives Pippin a little reassuring smile and a nod. Before he says, just a fool's hope. It's a, it's a good little moment. I thought he smiles afterward, because he's like... Because he says, a fool's hope to him, because he calls Pippin a fool all the time. Mm. But I think because Pippin is asking Gandalf for reassurance, Gandalf is calling himself a fool. Yeah, I think he's calling himself a fool, too. I definitely get that impression from this dialogue. Yeah. So, that's my hot take for today. Okay. <laughs> We're done. You notice how there's uh, basically no perspective tricks in this minute? Billy Boyd is literally just on, on his, his knees. knees. yeah. And Ian McKellen is standing on a box. Nice. To, to make the make the perspective work. The shot from the back looks like the scale double. Yeah, I, I believe the shot from the back is. Yeah. Because uh, it would look really awkward with his, his full length uh, shirt if he's on his right, knees. Right. Uh, I would imagine that that shot is, was probably added later, too. I bet it was done as a just a quick little, a quick little shot on a different day and dropped in. Well, yeah, I mean, because it has to be the scale double from behind because um you can't have his knees showing. Right, or the box or anything. You're right. Yeah. I was saying it looked like the the Pippin scale double instead of the Gant like Tall Paul. Uh, this minute prob includes what is probably my favorite Pippin line in the trilogy. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't want to be in a battle. But waiting on the edge of one I can't escape is even worse. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. No, I just, I think it's, it's just, it is, uh, it is a line f that Billy Boyd delivers in a way that it just, it sticks with me as a part of his performance. Mm. There's just something about, something about the way he delivers that line that just sits with me afterwards. Mm. Always. I, uh. Do you think it's his tone of voice? I'm sure it's part of it. Yeah. He sounds, Billy Boyd is really good at sounding vulnerable. Yes. He's really, really good at it. Whereas Ian McKellen is just so good at sounding like a reassuring grandpa. <laughs> Where he, he doesn't want to, like, he definitely doesn't want to lie to Pippin. But he also doesn't want to give him a false, like, any false sense of, like, a like a guarantee that like everything is going to be okay. False sense of security. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, like, lie to Pippin and try to just tell him everything's going to be okay. Right. But he wants him to feel a little bit better about this. Right. So he's just like, maybe I was a fool for thinking that everything would be okay. But I'm still here with you, Pippin. Well, I don't know that he's a fool for thinking everything would be okay. I think he's a fool for putting all his eggs in one basket. Yeah. I think it's it's kind of the same thing given the situation that they're in. I don't think so. Because, I mean, putting all of his eggs in one basket and believing in Frodo. Frodo, like... Frodo succeeding doesn't necessarily mean that everything here is going to be okay. Yeah, but uh, but that's that's the situation specifically Pippin is kind of asking about when he yeah, asks Pippin that's true. if when he asks Gandalf if there was hope because he asks if Frodo and Sam are okay. Yeah. 
uh, in the director commentary, they talk about these two scenes being back to back because they want to uh, create an association between the relationship that Frodo and Sam have and the relationship that Gandalf and Pippin have. They want you to have some kind of a, they want to take some of that empathy and sympathy that the audience has for Frodo and Sam and transfer it into this Gandalf and Pippin scene. Not not saying that the scene that their relationships are the same, but priming you with some of your like priming you with some of your sympathy leading into another scene where they really want that to land. Why wouldn't we have sympathy for Pippin and Gandalf already though? We definitely do, but this this movie is more about the two of them alone for part of their journey, right. which we haven't really had yet until this movie. Yeah, but why wouldn't we have sympathy for these characters? already we definitely i mean we definitely do i'm saying that like they they talk about these two scenes being together because they want to keep carrying that emotional note and associate pippin and gandalf with frodo and sam and carry the emotional weight through that's like what they say yeah i understand what they say i just don't understand you know (laughs) (laughs) i understand the words and what they mean i don't understand why they have to call out the fact that they're doing this because we should already have sympathy for these characters. This is the third movie. I mean, I think it's still good. Gandalf to... freaking died. Like, yeah. I mean, I I think it's it's still it. I think it's still good from a flowing perspective to make sure that scenes like that flow together. Right. No, it makes sense it, to keep it... the tone the same. But like, as far as manipulating your audience's sympathy for a pair of characters and then transferring it over to another pair that seems really weird uh i feel like that probably happens in movies constantly it probably does i'm just not saying that i agree with it i'm like i think that sells your audience short like we should have sympathy for pippin and gandalf both individually and now that they're here like together as a unit i mean i i can see the value in putting their scenes in proximity to scenes with frodo and sam yeah well, it makes sense story-wise as well, because this is who we're following right now. Yeah, I, I I, don't think it's about taking advantage. I think it's about trying to make sure that that emotional beat carries by using someone you know is solidly established as a pair. I don't necessarily think it's taking advantage of but that. But why does it matter? Because you want, because crafting, part of crafting a narrative in a visual media is crafting the emotional experience you want your audience to right. go through. Right, no, I understand that. So, That's what a movie is. So Why you, does it matter that we're using an established pair of characters for this other, like, unlikely pair of characters? Because you take what is, like, the the emotional heart of your movie so, yeah, but and sprinkle it in in places where you want that emotion to make sure it carries through right, you're to using, create the audience experience you want. You're manipulating your audience's sympathy for an established pair of characters and transferring it over to another pair of characters that you should already care about. It seems redundant to me that they talk about this because we're already like ride or die with Gandalf Gandalf literally died, and then he came back and rode his ass across Gondor with Pippin. And, like, we've already seen Pippin, like, from the Shire, I don't know, like, mature, question mark. We'll not talk about Pippin again. <laughs> Hold up. Well, he, he literally physically moved from the Shire to here. Yes. Emotional arc aside. Yeah, yeah. So, we're already, like... We like the Hobbit man. We like the Wizard man. I don't understand. 
It just seems really redundant to me. Mm. Like, it makes sense, yes, to keep the tone of your movie. Like, your the tone of these conversations is similar. Yeah. But unless you're not explaining it well or in a way that I'm, like, so I, understanding, grokking. Uh, like, yeah, so I, I don't think of it as manipulation. I think of it as, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Manipulation? No. <laughs> Because I, I think that, uh, I think that calling it manipulation is thinking of the crafting of the, the emotional, uh, the emotional resonance in a, in a cynical way. But I think it's intended more. I am kind of a cynic. But I think it's intended more to underscore things that they want you to notice. And it's more for a casual moviegoer than it is for an in-depth viewer. What things? The fact that these two characters have like a close, intimate connection that, Someone who's not a deep viewer might not necessarily have picked up on until this movie started going with Pippin and Gandalf's relationship. Because most people, I don't, most of the movie moviegoers who weren't uh, avid readers, I don't think necessarily would pick up on the idea that Gandalf picks on Pippin because he cares about him the most until it starts to be apparent in this movie through their relationship. I think that that's more. Uh, but I don't a, think that's the same sort of relationship and, and dynamic at all. I think it's a, a matter of tone, of the tone of your scene, not the um, the content of the conversation or the character dynamics or the character relationships. I think it's a matter of like the tone of your conversation. But I, I think carrying like trying to match that tone and carry that tone through helps people empathize and see the connection that Gandalf and Pippin have, even if it is fundamentally different from Sam. Right. And Frodo. No, that's what I'm like. That's. That's that's good editing. Right, and that's what I'm saying they're trying that that's okay. what I'm saying the point is. Because because that is using the tone and the empathy and the sympathy you have for these other characters no, 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 to help your tone that's, spread. That's not the same thing. Uh, tone directly impacts empathy and sympathy. No, the emotional tone, but like it's not the same thing. No, but it impacts the way you absorb it. So you're manipulating your audience. No, you're yeah. No, you're you're crafting a narrative well. <laughs> It's that's that you're manipulating your audience. You're guiding them. A manipulation. Guide. Guiding. Is Gandalf a guide or a, a manipulator? He is. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> um, excuse me. Don't talk about Aragorn. Don't talk about how his son's dead. Don't talk about anything. And Bor and um, Denethor's like, I already know all of these things. That's manipulation. Well, no, he was trying to guide Pippin into not making a mistake. Just because... Okay, it's it's the um it's the Dumbledore thing, right? Just because you are a good okay, okay, it's a, just because you're a good mentor doesn't also mean you are not manipulative. I think the difference between Dumbledore and Gandalf is that Dumbledore knew Harry had to die again. Gandalf was going to and was engineering Harry's second death or his his death. Gandalf was going to lie to this grieving father, like lie to his face. Yes, he was manipulation. Denethor is yeah. trash, but like Gandalf, <laughs> but, <laughs> come on, man. But like, I, I think that's a difference though, like between the manipulations, the, the machinations of Dumbledore and the machinations of Gandalf. What about the that, machinations of, of Papa Peach? Like, Dumbledore was, <laughs> Dumbledore was just like, I'm going to raise this, this 11 year old. I'm going to groom him I'm going to groom him to die. <laughs> I'm going to make sure oh he God. dies at the right time. Oh, and who's going to help me? The the creepy guy who is obsessed with his mom. He's going to, he, oh. he loves this. He, what he, a beloved story for children. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, uh, if you want me to frame Harry Potter in the worst way po- oh, possible, I totally did. will. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's there there's other ways to frame I'm it too. I'm going to groom this 11 year old boy to sacrifice himself for me. <laughs> Because I'm going to talk to him as a ghost. Oh, my God. And explain to him why he had to do it. <laughs> Spoilers for Harry Potter. Spo- okay. <laughs> we spend, like, I feel like we spend the most time talking about Harry Potter on this podcast than we do about, like, anything else that's not Lord of the, the Rings. Any other tangent? Yes. Probably. <laughs> it's relevant. <laughs> it is It is strangely relevant a lot of the time. <laughs> the machinations of Papa Peach. Papa Peach. <laughs> Oh, man. I'd wear a shirt that said Papa Peach in the Papa John's fault. Oh, font. dude, yeah. We should we should get on that. <laughs> Papa People Peach. People would be like, what? She's like, oh, it's a podcast joke. Just don't worry about it. You wouldn't understand. Have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> just, just don't worry about it. Did I tell you I had to explain um, what Movies by Minutes podcasts were to my new therapist? <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> It's like, I feel like anytime you try to explain Movies by Minutes to someone... Oh, I sound like a crazy person. I mean, this past this past we weekend... We are a crazy people. This past weekend, we were trying to explain it to someone. I don't know how he doesn't know. Just wait. It's just... So you talk about it... What's you the average length of an episode? For an hour? Yeah, my dude. Yeah. What's the average length of an episode? Like 20, 20 25 minutes? For every minute of a movie? Yes. Y- yes. You are... That's yes. it. That is correct. <laughs> But yeah, I, I man, I, I just feel like so calling... up in arms with Pippin. I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. I gotta de-escalate. Just, just get aggro. He's um, got a sword. I don't know. Can't he cares. Me. He cares about Gandalf so much. He does. I just think that whatever they said in the co- the commentary is silly. Mm. And like, I don't know. To me, it makes sense. You want to keep the tone of the movie the yeah. same. We we already have sympathy for these characters. They like it's like a grandpa. I mean, it's like a like a weird uncle and like a nephew relationship. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess Pippin's personal like emotional journey and the actions he takes aren't too dissimilar from the same kind of journey that Sam is on in this movie, minus being betrayed. But the the Pippin actions betrays himself. But the yeah, by swearing fealty to Denethor. No, by picking up the Palantir. <laughs> Maybe both. Uh, but I, I think that the overall kind of emotional arc for Sam and Pippin is really similar. It's about, like, in a lot of ways, it's about uh, personal responsibility and, like, finding the strength in yourself to do things you didn't think you could do. Yeah. And, like, that's, I think that's both of their real emotional arcs in this movie. Well, I think the same holds true for Mary. Mary's uh, part of that journey, I think it was largely in Two Towers. I, I, of the Fellowship, I think Mary grows the least in this movie. Because he kind of, we got to see most of Mary's growth last movie. And it did happen really quickly. Yeah. But the the Mary in this movie feels like the Mary that ended Two Towers. And he doesn't really feel like he matures past that, but is um, affected by what he experiences in the, like in the post-war wrap-up sense. I think he does because um, when he's separated from Pippin is when he does the last of his, like, because he's just like. Well, I think the conversation with Aragorn is the cementing of Mary's, like, new maturity coming out of Two Towers. Yeah. And I don't think he really grows past that. I think that his conversation with Aragorn is him kind of fully grasping some of that maturity that he's gained. Mm. 
And beyond that, there is still a little bit of Hobbit playfulness in Mary, but Mary has an understanding more so than, uh, say, Sam and Pippin about kind of the gravity of the situation they're in. I think Sam understands. I think Sam I think understands, th- but I... He plays it down. Right, be, for Frodo's sake. Yeah. Like we were saying last week. But he is he is considerably more optimistic than than Frodo, just foundationally. Because he is planning to to go back. Right. He doesn't he doesn't recognize that there is more than a very real chance that there is no going back. Because that's not an option for him. And I don't think that I don't think that means that he's not like emotionally mature in no, a way I, that that's I, I mean that's not what I'm saying. I think I, I I feel like Mary takes the situation um seriously in a way that's closer to Frodo than it is to Sam. Yeah, because there is no one like Sam. There is no one like Sam. Whereas Mary becomes more like Frodo and Pippin and Sam are more similar than Marion than uh yeah in the through this movie I think that Mary and Frodo are more similar than they were before and Pippin and Sam are more similar than but they were before But do you think that that's a good thing because we're talking about like a fool's hope like hope I think so and I I think that it's I I think that it is a good thing I think it's a it's good for I think it's good character growth for all of them because they all kind of get different things out of in the end, they all kind of get different things out of this. Yeah, like trauma. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Pippin has like the least traumatic experience, I would say, mostly because the like the most traumatic thing that Pippin encounters isn't inherently supernatural. Whereas, no, he just stabs a dude. Yeah. Uh, well, he also watches Denethor fling himself to his doom. Yeah, that's doom. pretty traumatic, my yeah, friend. Uh, whereas uh, Mary is front and center when a supernatural being explodes. Yeah, just because, I mean... And I always imagine the, um, in, in like, a fairy story sense, the shock of encountering the supernatural is more than the shock of anything mundane. And I think that that holds true in a lot of Tolkien's work. Mm. Something about what is beyond the ability of a human shakes you in a way that nothing you could see a human do would do to you. Even if it's not doing... Baptizing yourself in oil and lighting you and your your still alive son on fire. Well, like think about like classic fairy stories. A lot of, sometimes people are just fundamentally changed by encountering right a supernatural creature, and nothing. Well, I mean, bad Frodo. Happened. Frodo needs to go on the ship because he got stabbed with the Morgul blade. Right, but I mean, like in stories where nothing. I mean, in stories where like nothing even bad happens, it still can do things to like shake the person and drive them insane. And then imagine if something bad was done to them by a supernatural creature, how much worse that would be. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm getting at mm-hmm. is that it's the, it's, it's the separation from the, the natural that causes anything you would encounter from an otherworldly being to shake you more than anything you would encounter from another person. Mm. And I, that's like a, just a thing in myth. Yeah. Not to like downplay what Pippin goes through. It's just like a thought I had about the way that they interact with the world. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else to say here. I like these quiet moments with Pippin and Gandalf. I think they are really effective in building up what's going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. Pippin... It's the deep breath before the plunge. I like the way that it is pretty quickly, but I do like the way that this scene harkens back to... Plays directly off Gandalf's monologue from a little while ago. Just a few minutes ago, really. 
when the when the clouds reach us, it'll begin. Yeah. And Pippin's like, I can't see the stars. Is it time? Yes. Just yeah, Kendall's Yes. <laughs> just, just gravelly, whispery. Yes. I think it's he's gravelly because he's been spoken. Well, yeah, but it it comes off as just a very like a very serious just. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so that's uh, that's today. Hope everyone had a good Thursday. Uh, you can check us out and continue this conversation on the Facebook listener group, Fellowship of the Mic. You can also give us a review on Apple Podcast five stars if you please. We're not begging or anything. Oh, uh, I am. <laughs> helps us out helps visibility the the podcast helps us grow gives you more people to talk to about us do you think we need to grow anymore i don't know we're on we're on season three you think just keep growing you think we got as tall as we can get we're a whole four foot six like mary (laughs) just a whole four foot six (laughs) and that's a foot shorter than me yeah yeah so the tallest hobbit is not much shorter than I am, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's a 12-year-old. I don't know. He's almost as tall as Thor and Oakenshield at that point. Yeah. Thorne's 4'10". Yeah. Well, the average, that would make the average dwarf, like, what, 4'6 to 4'8, right? Yeah, a few inches shorter than Thorin. Thorin is tall for a dwarf. Right. So, yeah. He's manly for a dwarf. Mary, Mary if he got thick, would be dwarf-sized. Mary! <laughs> Mary oh, my Mary God. and Pippin got swole. If he got swole. They'd be dwarfs. <laughs> Put on some fake no, beards. No, they're not built for it. Put on some fake beards. Pat, like, put pillows in their shirts. That's so funny. Go infiltrate the Blue Hills and oh see what they can steal. God. Go get into some mischief with their newfound height. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to finish off the week. Hope everyone has a had a great day. Has a great day. Bye. Bye.